Hello, Farah. Hey, what's up? Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to episode zero of the Confessions of a Dealmaker podcast. I'm your host, Jason Godwin, the owner of the Exit Strategy Group, business broker, business consultant. I have here with my co-host today, Farah Bass, who is our operations manager, the uh, glue that keeps Exit Strategy Group together. <laughs> We're excited today to have our Genesis episode, so episode zero, zero, to go over what is the purpose behind this podcast? Why are we doing this? What are we going to be talking about? And who is this podcast intended for? I, I wanted to do a Genesis episode because often you, you kind of find a podcast mid course, midway through mm-hmm. their production. And you, you kind of would love to know like, how did this come to be? Like, how did this podcast start? So that is the reason behind this episode today is give people an idea of who we are and and why we're doing this. Yeah, I love it. I think it's helpful to know we have a starting point. Hey, this is who you are. This is your background and your credibility and what you do. And also, I think what they can expect. I think a lot of times I jump into a podcast and I don't even know what to expect. So I'm excited to kind of flush that out here. Yeah, me too. Yeah, awesome. So I guess let's just get started. Tell me a little bit about you. Introduce yourself to the audience. Sounds great. So um, my name is Jason Godwin. I'm a business broker and consultant here in Florida. I specialize in helping business owners exit their company and plan for their exit and help entrepreneurs buy companies and grow companies. Um, we own Exit Strategy Group, which is a business brokerage team that works underneath Florida Business Exchange, which is the larger broker that we work for and hang our license with. Um, Florida Business Exchange is the largest private non-franchise business brokerage in the state of Florida. We have a long pedigree. Um, we've been around since 1990. Fa- it was founded by Burt Risden. Before then, Burt was doing business brokerage in Detroit, Michigan. And I believe to this day, Burt is the longest standing business broker in the United States. He has over 55 years of experience. Burt's now 80. I don't want to get that wrong. I think he's 82, 83. And he's still in the office every day doing deals, uh, cons- you know, helping business owners walk through the process of selling companies, but also helping guide us through the process of helping owners do that. And so I'm very fortunate to be a, a part of that team. And I wouldn't be where I'm at today without them. Um, a little bit, bit about myself. I grew up in a very rural part of Florida called Pearson. Most people never heard of it. Very small population. Uh, went to a high school. I believe my graduating class was 88 people. Um, you either left and went away, went went to college, uh, went to go work for the power company as, in, as a lineman, or you had family in that area and you stayed in the agriculture industry. And I was, uh, our family was not from there, so that I didn't really have a family base and background there. So I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Mm-hmm. I always had a, a bit of an entrepreneur spirit. I, I say I started my first business at age 12. Um, where we lived was very rural and in the middle of nowhere on a, on, on a lake, kind of close to the Ocala National Forest. It was a dirt road to get down there. So you would think you were lost trying to find this community. And all of a sudden, you know, there's, you know, maybe <laughs> 20 or 30 houses down there in the middle of nowhere. That's where I grew up. So what I did is I, I had neighbors who I was one of, there was only two other kids in the neighborhood. It was mostly retired people. And they would ask if if I wanted to do yard work, you know, because they needed people to help them take care of their properties. A lot of people were either retirement age or, you know, uh, there were a few working professionals that commuted 
or people also, they had a lot of vacation houses out there. So what I did is I, um, I took the resources I had, had a lawnmower, a lawnmower trailer and some lawn equipment made a business where I was having people pay me monthly to manage their properties, pressure wash houses, clean roofs, clean windows, weed eat, mow. And I, I only did it, I think for a, like maybe a summer, mm-hmm. right? But I, I made enough money to buy my first, uh, first ATV. Oh, that's cool. So that was my first stint into entrepreneurship. And then that, uh, from there, I started my uh, what I call a reverse e-commerce business when the internet was just kind of becoming a thing and eBay was uh, was new, PayPal had just came around. I realized there was an opportunity to kind of arbitrage the difference in what things were selling for online versus what they sold from retail stores. And I came across that because I was really I was trying to buy some stereo equipment. And I saw what uh, what that sold for in the store in a local stereo shop and then when I can buy it for online, I'm like, well, there's 30, 40% margin there. Mm. So I was, I started this business in high school where I was buying uh, wheels and tires and car parts and stereo equipment off eBay or other online sources, even paintball guns bought, like had ordered from China, some bulk cases of paintball guns and would sell these in school to students. And that was my, <laughs> like a reverse e-commerce business. So I guess, or, or you know, my first stint into retail. And so I kind of, I've always had a focus on working for myself because where I grew up, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, came from a, you know, lower middle class family, so you're single mom, mom worked seven days a week. So I had a good work ethic, didn't have a lot of guidance on which direction to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't really do well in school. I, yeah, I told you this earlier, I, I retook English, I think almost every summer because I couldn't pass it during the school year. Right. Um, so I just never really had... A, a clear direction of what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, more life stuff happened. That's for another, another day, but entrepreneurship always kind of was my anchor and my ability to provide for myself. And, mm-hmm. and um, I, I can't remember what the math was, but I think in my life I've spent less than four years working for someone else. I've worked mm-hmm. for myself the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. So I've always known the value of entrepreneurship and, how much freedom it can present to people and provide an option for, for someone who maybe isn't, isn't uh, destined for college or, or, or is, doesn't have a clear path forward on what they want to do. There's value you can offer and then you can monetize that value. There's problems that people need to solve. You can solve those problems and turn them into a business. And so I've always been uh, inspired by entrepreneurs and, and motivated to work in, in with entrepreneurs. Um, I I was in a position years ago where I owned my own company. I was working for myself as actually a franchise. And I, I started to realize who my tribe was, who I enjoyed spending the most time around, which people I wanted to serve. I, I realized that I found myself more drawn towards entrepreneurs and working with business owners. Uh, than the general public, and nothing against general public. It's just I related more to those mm-hmm. pe- to those people. And long story short, I had a client who was in the process of selling their business, or, or in the process of thinking about selling their business. And I had joked with him because I knew he had a very successful company, and I said, "Hey, if you ever want to sell your company, I love." to know about it because I might be interested. He was in a similar industry. Like my industry served his industry. Mm -hmm. 
So there was some some synergy there, and I, I thought that that was if he did want to retire, then I could take that business and and continue to grow it. And and that day, he said he he's like this is kind of serendipitous. I'm actually meeting with a business broker tonight to talk about selling my company, and I'm like, what is a business broker? What does that even mean? <laughs> I didn't know there was people who I didn't know you really like selling companies was a thing. I knew like in the in the grand scheme of things with you know big large companies that that was a thing, but I just didn't know like there was a person who worked with business owners to sell companies. Mm-hmm. So making a long story short, we navigated the process. I found out it just, it wasn't the right business for me, or maybe I wasn't the right person for the business. And I had, a, I built a great relationship with the broker. Mm-hmm. And after we had decided that moving forward with that investment wasn't going to be the best fit for where we were in our life, um, the broker continued conversation with me or contact with me. And, you know, we had this conversation. I said, Jason, I think that this is something you would be really good at because you understand business and financials and taxes and, and just how the mechanics behind a business works. Mm-hmm. You also know how to talk to people. You know how to analyze deals. You know how to negotiate. I think this is something you should consider doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, went down a journey of discovering more about who I am and, I came to learn that my tribe is business owners and the way that I can serve that tribe the best was helping business owners walk through the process of selling mm-hmm. their company. Mm-hmm. It's it's the biggest decision a business owner will ever make that they don't plan for because it doesn't even seem like a viable option and they don't think about it till it's retirement time. When you're building a company most people never think about selling. They're just thinking about getting to the next step, solving the next problem, getting enough revenue in, getting a new hire in. There's they're, they're problem solvers first. And our founder, Bert Risden, has this saying. He says, the only reason to start a company is to one day sell it, mm-hmm. right? We, we talk about there's um, four options that every business owner has and what to do with a company when they're ready to exit. The first option is you can take that company and you can give it to a family member or a child, pass it down. But one statistic we've seen is that's very uncommon. Well, why? Well, I think it's, there's two reasons. Children who've worked in a business with their parents, a lot of times have the same entrepreneur gene their parents do, and they want to start their own thing. They want to mm-hmm. pave their own way. So they don't necessarily want to just kind of have something handed to them and take it over. Others often they've seen the sacrifices their parents made and and the struggles associated with that and they've decided well maybe that's not the route that I want to go down I I want to do something different and have more time for my family or just have a different life situation now we do see where family members hand businesses down and they stay within the family for generations but the other challenge with that is then the then the uh, Parents who own it don't have funds for retirement unless they're mm-hmm. still getting a portion of the business, mm-hmm. um, you know, paid to them mm-hmm. across time. But then you're dividing all that revenue out, so there's more mouths to feed. So there's there's challenges there. The second option would be to shut the business down, just kind of close the doors, retire, walk away. Well, then that presents the same problem with not having a way to capitalize on what you built, monetize the business, and have funds for retirement. The third option that's present would be just to kind of liquidate the assets. So you can lease the, the space out or sell the real estate. You can sell any of the assets or inventory, but 
that's going to be at a fraction of what their wholesale value is because you're having to sell all these things. If you had to sell one or two assets, you can sell them at their current value. We need to sell everything at once. It's going to be at auction price, mm-hmm. right? So it's a very small profit you can make on what you've built. So that only presents a fourth option, which is to sell the operating company as a whole, which is very challenging. It's not like selling a piece of real estate where you can visually advertise, this is for sale, you know, come check it out. Mm-hmm. Let's do a showing. Um, you have to do it confidentially because you you want to do it in a way it doesn't disrupt the employees or the clients and customers of the business so that when someone takes that business over, it can operate as business as usual and the jobs are of the employees are stable. Um, there's no revenue loss because customers are not getting worried the business is going to go somewhere. So it, it, it's a very challenging process that I love being a part of because you know me, I love, a, give me the most complex, difficult problem that you, you can come up with. And mm-hmm. that w- that's what makes me excited in life. Mm-hmm. I, I need difficult problems to solve. Mm-hmm. And I found this set problem set to be very challenging. And that's why I enjoy it so much. Mm-hmm. It's very rewarding because I get to serve this community and help business owners exit and retire and be able to then also help protect all of the jobs of the employees and all the lives that are affected by that business. Like you and I, we talked about that today. We looked at the whiteboard and that, that diagram, um, a business affects so many people. You may have two owners of a company. Those two owners have family, whether it's children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews that are all somehow connected and infected by the business, whether it's by revenue, whether it's by the life connection, whatnot. But then you have all the employees who work at that company. I don't know the current figure, but let's just say it's at least over 50% of the population in Florida works for a small business. So the work we do here is protecting those jobs, making sure these Mm -hmm. businesses can transition to a new owner Mm -hmm. and that the employees can still stay employed, the customers can still be served, and that the business will continue to grow and serve the public in a, in a, in a, in a greater way as time goes on. So that's a little bit about what we do and how I, I got to where we're at now. Right. And, and the cool thing is you, your whole life has, you said yourself, there's been what, four years that you haven't worked for yourself. So you have started and owned businesses off and on your whole life. So you know exactly what those business owners are experiencing and you can empathize with them, the struggles they're facing, Um, and what it's like to be at the point that you're ready to sell or do something new or transition or change of life. Um, So I think that's really cool that you aren't just some expert that took a class or did this, like you lived this. Um, And it, I think, increases your passion. I see that that is in every day is is you're you're passionate about what you do. So that's cool. Um, Tell me, so you said that you are owner of Exit Strategy Group. that is a team underneath Florida Business Exchange. Can you explain that a little bit? I understand why you do what you do, but why did you start the team? That's a great question. So when I found myself in this industry, I learned very quickly that the typical pattern is you have a brokerage that has agents working under, underneath a, a, a larger broker and those agents work solo by themselves. They, procure their own deals, do their own marketing, do their own financial analysis. They work directly with the sellers. They market 
the deals, they find the buyers, they host the meetings, they work through closing, they get the deal closed, and they help the parties navigate the whole process. Well, the the biggest challenge in that is there's there's a lot of different types of tasks that require multiple talents that not everyone possesses. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone's a great marketer or salesperson. Not everyone's a great project manager. Not everyone has the attention to detail to do complex financial analysis of large company tax returns. So the first thing I noticed is there was things that I wasn't necessarily good at and I wanted to outsource um, because I wanted to serve the client in a better way. I wanted to produce the best result possible. Mm-hmm. And, and we had great success as soon as I, as soon as I started, I believe I was rookie of the year. Um, you know, we were in the, one of the top 50 brokers in, in the state, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as the, the first year in business. Um, Cause I took the success I had learned from other endeavors and brought it into here because the, the template's very simple. Do what you say you're going to do and do to the best of your ability and exceed people's expectations. Mm-hmm. It, it's business is simple. It's serve people well and do it in a way that you can make a profit off mm-hmm. of and and where that you've served them to the extent that people want to go tell other people about what you did for them. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't matter if you're a restaurant, if you're a funeral home, if you're a doctor's office. It's all the same. You serve people and exceed their expectations and solve a complex problem at a, at a fair price and they feel like they receive value, they'll tell their people about it. Um, so we were able to do that, but then we were limited to how much we can do that because of how much work is required to to, to do this job. Mm-hmm. So we started first by bringing in outside companies to do our, um, what we call preparing the confidential marketing materials. That was the first step. And then kind of taking that off my plate and having that company handle that, which then brought in, it brought more time for me to spend in the deals. And, and the one feedback I got from the attorneys we work with and the accountants was always how hands-on we were. <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of times in transactions, you would see brokers would be very hands-on in the onboarding the client, the marketing, but as soon as they went under contract, the broker didn't, could not put as much time into the deal and didn't really, you know, let's say manage mm-hmm. closing. So you would see you know, close rates would be less than, you know, 90% deals would fall apart. Um, and that was not because brokers had poor intentions. It's because they, they were being asked to do something that was very hard to do and commit that much time mm-hmm. to all of these different activities. So how can we, how can we make sure that every client gets the maximum amount of attention that we market the business to our maximum ability, but then also increase the likelihood of closing by managing the deal from cradle to grave and over communicating with all the parties, making sure that there's a defined process that everyone's aware of and what needs to happen next and communicate that often. Well, that's a lot of work. You can't do it by yourself. Um, So we, when I say we, I guess this was, in the beginning, it was mostly me working with, you know, like a, a contractor doing our marketing. I started writing SOPs. Okay, so how do we start to finish what needs to happen? And it was soon after that, I believe, uh, Stephanie, who's one of our brokers, started having this conversation about looking for a, um, a, a different path in life, wanting to find a different career. 
actually met Steph. I met Stephanie because I I knew, um, I knew her through our you know, community of friends, but she had a business that we actually sold earlier on, and so Stephanie was very suited for this role. She again had been in business, you know, running a family business. She knew the struggles of business owners. She'd been to the process line company, so she's the perfect mm-hmm. candidate right. to become a business broker, but. As I learned when you first started in this industry, if you don't know someone, it's very hard because you have to walk through this process with someone. There's no school you can go to to become a business broker. You have to kind of learn on the job and you have to have someone else who's able to invest in you. And I luckily at Herb Stewartson, our vice president of of FBX, he's been my mentor from the start. Um, He's poured into me tremendously and I've learned so much from him. I realized that there was an opportunity to help other brokers grow Mm. by bringing them into our organization, by offering, offering standard operating procedures, marketing, um, deal management, project management. So then they could just focus on being a broker. They didn't have to focus on administration tasks. They didn't have to focus on, you know, all the other hundreds of things that need to be done to sell a business. And and that's when I started doing research and realizing there was really no one operating as a brokerage team. Mm-hmm. It was common in real estate. You see it in real estate all the time. Um, there's where you have a, a uh, licensee who manages a team of other agents underneath them mm-hmm. and they consolidate resources. And what ends up happening is those teams are very successful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one we can think of locally um, that you and I know that, there, I believe the n- number one or number two producer in this part of the state, mm-hmm. you know, and they, uh, they've consolidated resources. They provide the maximum amount of value because they operate as a team. Mm-hmm. So they have a backend staff, they have marketing staff, they have all these resources that a single agent is not, does not have to their disposal. So what ends up happening is the client is served better because they're getting all of these services they wouldn't give with a single agent, but also the agents are able to make more money because they can just focus on being agents. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take that model and bring it to the business brokerage industry where agents can flourish because all they have to do is worry about being agents. They Mm -hmm. have to worry about working on deals. Mm -hmm. We can consolidate the resources needed to do administrative operations, marketing, financial analysis, and, the client then is better served because what we've seen is our deals, our close rate is higher than the average, the overall industry. Our exit prices are over typically what the average um, comparable uh, valuation is. Mm -hmm. And our time on market is shorter because now we're able to engage with more buyers who are coming in. That was the biggest challenge when I first started in this industry was you would put a listing on the market and start advertising and you would spend your entire day dealing with buyer traffic. And you're laughing because you remember when you came <laughs> yeah. on, you had a spreadsheet. It, it took me hours. I, that was my the entire job that I had was just communicating with buyers and updating people, making sure NDAs are signed. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how many you have, but we were having, I think there was one listing. We had like 75 buyers come in 24 hours. The first 24 hours it was posted. I remember that. And so when, when I, to take a rabbit trail real quick, 
one of the best things a broker can do when they start is start working with buyers. Working with sellers, it, you get the journey from start to finish. But working with the buyer, you get to see more deals because you're going to look at a lot more deals that don't move forward and go through that process. And so I did that. I had a, a client you're going to hear us talk about a lot, a, a lot from China, American citizen, that great guy, love working with him, is a great journey. But I believe in the, in the year that I worked with, we looked at over 225 businesses, mm-hmm. NDAs signed reviewing Sims. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I noticed was most brokers don't respond. Mm-hmm. I would send an inquiry, I'd send an email, I'd send a phone call, crickets, nothing. Mm-hmm. Here I have someone who wants to pay a million dollars for this business, wants to move forward, and I cannot get a response. I'll call an email, mm-hmm. I'll text, crickets. And it's not because of the character of the broker. It's because we're asking that broker to do something that's very difficult to do, which is to communicate with hundreds of people a day while analyzing businesses, writing financial reports, while putting together marketing material, while answering questions sellers have, while calling lenders and trying to get deals qualified for SBA loans, while working with closing attorneys to find difficult to find documents that a bank may need or a closing attorney may need to close a deal, while trying to work to keep deals together, right? So it's, it's, it wasn't something I thought, I'm like, it doesn't make sense for one person to mm-hmm. be doing all this. Mm-hmm. You can't possibly do it well. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was inspired. Okay, there's a, there's a better way to do this. Just no one's done it yet. Mm-hmm. And the reason no one has done it yet is because it's, it's very difficult because our deal cycles are so long. It takes a while to, to get a deal closed and they're very complex. So it, it presents some challenges to run a team as you and I have seen, mm-hmm. right? So um, it was soon after that, I believe, when you came on. I was going to say, I, I think that you were probably, it, from what you've explained to me, you were feeling this tension of there's too much to do and, and not enough time. Uh, and then I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you ran into Leif Babin in the airport and he called you out. <laughs> and then that was like, the the shift was like, yeah, I need to hire someone. And, and Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, those that know me will know that I'm a very big fan of anything leadership related, personal development, not as much like the Tony Robbins style stuff, but very granular, like, you know, developing yourself as a leader. Mm-hmm. So I'm a student of the material that, uh, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin put out. I'm a big believer in the principle of extreme ownership. And so I was flying back from, I was flying from Orlando to Texas and this was during COVID and I'm getting on the airplane and I look over because I'm always like, I'm I'm very much aware of my environment. I want to know when I get on the airplane, um, who's going to be on this plane with me and who can I look to for help if anything ever were to go down, right? So I, as I'm on uh, getting on the plane and since we have kids, we're always, you know, walking further back to the plane because we're looking for where the most seats are together. I noticed this really buff guy <laughs> and I noticed the logo on his shirt is a black polo. And I'm like, that's an echelon front logo. I know who that is. And I was 99% sure it was Leif Babin because he's very hard to miss. So um, I'm also, it, anyone that knows me, I'm not shy and I will talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife says I can have a conversation with a post <laughs> and I, have been known. I will walk up to famous people I see in public and just have a conversation 
you know, like they're a normal person. That's happened multiple times. I'm not shy. And so I had made, I had it in my mind that I was going to, when I get off the airplane, I want to go talk to life. Cause I knew he lives, he lives in Texas. So I was like, this has got to be him. And so I, um, I get off the airplane, going to baggage claim and I see him. So I walk over and start having a conversation like, Hey, you know, fan of your content. That's all, you know, without going into a lot of details, so I don't want to spend a lot of time. Um, he started asking me a lot of questions instead of it, you know, being, I was totally surprised by his response because I figured this guy probably gets a lot of people walking up to him in public. He probably just got back from a long event. He probably wants to go home and see his family, but he was like excited to have a conversation. He's like, okay, tell me, tell me about the problems you're dealing with in your business. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, tell me about your challenges and asking, you know, very open-ended questions and seem genuinely wanting to know. So we had this great conversation and what, what came out of it was I needed to, I needed to learn to lead and delegate. I could not do everything myself. Mm -hmm. And the next step in my evolution as, as a entrepreneur and a leader was to build a team around me that I could, um, delegate results to and lead. Mm-hmm. And that's where I believe, you know, you enter stage left yeah. a, f- <laughs> a few weeks after that. I, I believe uh, a mutual friend, Jason, yeah. had had pointed out that you were looking for a career change possibly, and we had a, a meeting. And I, I had known who you were. You, you, um, you know, you'd been around our community, so mm-hmm. I, I, I knew mm-hmm. who you were. I knew your character. I knew your skills. So I was like, yeah, that's someone I, I want on my team. Right. Yeah. Well, so shout out to Leif. He'll probably never see this, but he's why I have know. a job. <laughs> you never know. He's yeah. why I have a job here and, you know, found a new career and shout out to Jason, of course, uh, for making that connection. But all of that to say, uh, I think you, that was the really birth of the team. And, um, you know, we've already made huge strides and I think we're on to great things. I'm excited. Yes. I think the results speak for themselves. Exactly. I think, um, we've, we've had some massive accomplishments in in selling companies and working with owners. We've been able to achieve results that we didn't think were possible. We've we've helped clients basically financially re- we didn't do the work to rebuild companies but help clients take a company that was worth 1.5 million sell it for almost 5 million, you know, that and that's just a normal day at the office mm-hmm. here. Right. Um and everyone here is committed to excellence. They're committed to serving our clients. They're committed to growing as a team. So we're very fortunate. I'm, mm-hmm. I I love walking in these doors every day because the people that are here and also the people we get to serve. So yeah. it's, even on the hardest days, it's still massively rewarding. Right, right. Well, I'd love to ask a couple off oddball questions okay. so the audience can get to know you personally. Uh, let's see, what would you do if you won the lottery today? What would you do with the money? Okay. The, f- the first thing I, I would do is I would buy more land. I believe that they're not making any more of it. And it's, I don't think it's something that's going to go down in value. Is that 10 acres? Is that a thousand no, 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 acres? No, it's like, I would at least 250 minimum. Okay. Okay. So, cool. I, so a lot of land. Yes. A lot of land. Um, I would probably, I'd want to spend more time traveling. Mm. That's one thing. Um, where to, where's the first place? Oh my gosh. First place I travel to. All right. Um, 
anyone knows me, I'm a, I'm a big off-road racer. I love motorcycles. I would probably go to some of the uh, FIM hard enduro races that are uh, in places like Austria, Portugal, um, travel around doing that. That but sounds like fun. Yeah. No, that's actually, I'm planning <laughs> my 40th already. It's, a, it's four or five years out. So I'm not going to tell you which it is, but <laughs> it's four or five years out. I'm, I'm thinking about my 40th and I, I, I want to have, you know, a, a big, um, not party, but I want to do something big. So mm-hmm. that's, I'm, I'm thinking through these things now, but no, in all honesty, I think I would just double down on what we're doing now. Right. Mm-hmm. I, because this is, this is a twofold mission. We are wanting to serve business owners, but we're also wanting to grow leaders. Mm-hmm. So I would just double down on what we're doing, continue to grow the team, invest in marketing so that we can continue the work that we're doing here because I believe in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's a need for it. Right now, um, it is the greatest transfer of wealth the world has ever seen as baby, booter, baby boomers are entering retirement age in mass. And most of these companies are owned by that generation. So as these business owners retire, what's going to happen to these companies? There's a need for the work that we're doing here and helping business owners sell their companies and retire. And also there's, there's a hungry generation coming up that said, you know, maybe college isn't for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, the gig economy, maybe, um, you know, doing my own thing, the side hustle generation. There's a lot of young people that, have decided they really don't want to do the nine to five thing. And so mm-hmm. entrepreneurship is a great avenue for them. Mm-hmm. And products like the, uh, or, you know, like the SBA 7A loan are great for people who have a little bit of capital set aside. They can buy a business. So, I mean, you can, you can take 40, $50,000 and turn that into a company that produces 200,000 to $100,000 a year mm-hmm. using an SBA 7A loan. So it's a great opportunity for someone who, um, who's disciplined enough to save some money and invest mm-hmm. in themselves. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 there's that side of it. But the other side is being able to invest in individuals. And I would say for me, it, it may be the more rewarding side is growing a team and leading and helping people reach their own goals. Um, I'm sure you, you can attest this. I, I push people, right? Mm-hmm. I want people to excel at what they're doing. I want I want people to be able to be in alignment with what they're doing, right? So I want whatever it is you're doing with your life to be aligned with who you think you're supposed to be as a person and living your maximum uh, value you can contribute to the world. So I'm going to make sure that everyone in my sphere is experiencing that. So I push my friends, I push my family, I push the people that work for me because I want I want people to experience the best out of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's equally as rewarding as being able to grow and build a team. So even if tomorrow we won, you know, a billion dollars, I don't think much would change other than I would probably take a little more time off. (laughs) But that's about it. A little more time off and then have an impact with your money. Yep, exactly. I think that's more worth it. I think that's more worth it in the end. More rewarding. Cool. So let's pivot a little bit for the audience. Uh, Tell us um, what caused you to start the podcast confessions of a deal maker how did you get to this point who brought you here why are you here 
so in working with business owners who are looking to exit their companies or build their companies or just in general start businesses, I noticed that the same questions came up very often, the same misconceptions. I would almost say the misconceptions is a bigger motivator than the questions. Um, it, it, it's very often we would look at a business and we would see a set of decisions that somebody made over the course of many years that placed their business in a less advantageous position than if they would have just made a small course correction in the very beginning, mm-hmm. which then affects the value of the company and the profitability of the company. And people who've built companies can relate to this, but I'll try to put it into the simplest terms for those who haven't had a chance to experience that. When you're growing a company, you're, you're solving a problem. So whether it's a you know con- uh, home services construction company, whether it's a, an accounting firm, whether it's um, a restaurant, right? You're, you're, you found a problem that you're passionate about solving and you're mainly focused on the problem. A lot of times operations and administration and, and financial growth happens around that as a function of solving the problem, but not as a focus. And so I've seen time and time again the story of the family that started a business with a pickup truck and a piece of equipment, but now they have a company that does $50 million in revenue a year. The challenge is sometimes they've taken that same mindset with them to that larger scale, and if they just made a few changes, that company would be worth twice what it is now. Not necessarily the profit, but just the value because of decisions. And I realize there's there's kind of a knowledge gap in what you need to do to build a company that's going to maximize its value and sell for the, the highest figure mm-hmm. um, or build the most sustainable company. There's a lot of information through grifters and scam artists and people who have something to sell you. They have a course, they have a program, they have a video series, they have a book, they have something to monetize off of this information. And so when you, you start reading these books or looking at these courses, you see that a lot of times they're written by people who haven't done it. They haven't been a part of it. Um, so I wanted to produce something that would serve business owners in a way they can find content and information and answers to questions to help them grow their companies mm-hmm. and become more successful where there's no catch. I... It, as Alex Hermosi says, I have nothing to sell you. Mm. And that's what I envisioned was taking all of this information that we've learned from working with hundreds of business owners mm-hmm. and being able to share that so that people can maximize what they're mm-hmm. building. They can grow a company that's profitable and valuable mm-hmm. and help them sell it mm-hmm. one day. Because there. You've seen this where we have a company that on the outside, everything looks great, but then there's one or two things they've done that have made it very difficult to sell. Mm -hmm. You have this company that would be worth millions of dollars, but they made these few mistakes, but they need to retire now. So we can't correct those mistakes. And so now you have to tell the owner, well, under normal circumstances, we would be able to sell your company for this, but because of this and this and this, now it's worth this. That's a hard conversation to have. Mm -hmm. So my mission here is to communicate as much value and knowledge as we can to help 
people, whether at the beginning of the entrepreneur journey of, of making a decision on starting a business, planning to start a business, saving money to starting a business, or they're in the middle of the journey where they're building a team for the first time. They're trying to figure out how do I shift from being self-employed to being a business owner because that's a conversation in itself. They're not the same. Um, how do you become a leader in your own organization? How do you create scalable revenue? All the way to the very last stage of the journey, which is how do you prepare to sell? How do you build a company that is worth the most value? How do you start planning for your exit so that it makes the least impact on your employees and your family when you go to sell the company. So our mission is to communicate all that information away where we have nothing to sell. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe one day we'll sell some ad space for, <laughs> for advertisers, but they're only going to be advertisers that I believe in mm -hmm. that I know will offer a product that I myself would consume. So um, our hope is that we can take these lessons we've learned and they can be of value to the business community. So everything from business basics, principles to uh, implement in order to grow, uh, strategic problem solving, the mindset shift of working on the business, not in the business, planning your exit. I mean, you know, like you said, cradle to grave, what we've learned. And I want to add to that, like, we're not the experts in everything. We've seen other people do it. And so we'll be bringing in Lots of guests who have successfully grown their businesses, launched their businesses, exited their businesses, and asking them, you know, how, how did you do, how'd you get here? What'd you do to get here? What, what would you, you know, share with someone who wants to be where you are? Exactly. Um, so I would love to uh, know from you if there's anything else you would like to impart on the audience or what expectations they can have of you, of the guests we bring on, um, you know, what else do you have for the audience? So expectations. Our goal, as Farrah said, is to bring on guests who have some information of value to share, whether that's people who have built companies, they consult with companies, they've exited companies. Somehow they're related to entrepreneurship and, and, and developing a business. We are going to bring on guests. We're going to have Q&A sessions where we have our audience bring us questions that we discuss, you know, as a team. Um, you know, we may have co-hosts come on from time to time. We may have segments where we talk about, we break down things that have gone right, things that have gone wrong in transactions. So we have, sub, you know, specific subjects we talk about. Like, for example, um, the process of selling a business, the process of finding a buyer, you know, what does confidentiality mean and how important is it? You know, what goes into financial analysis, you know, being able to communicate and share that information in a way that's easy to understand for business owners. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're, that's, that's what to expect from us. Um, what I hope from, from our audience is to like and subscribe because that <laughs> helps us grow and helps us get the word out more. Um, we hope that you can give your feedback in the comments section so that we can, we can know um, what questions you may have or what information that you want. That kind of helps us steer the ship as we develop this. And I'm excited to, to enter in this journey. We, this is something we've talked about for a year, right? But we had to have the right space to do it. So as patients, we had to have the right people. You know, we brought on, I, it's so serendipitous, right? We have three people on our team that we didn't really plan for this, but one's a visual person, 
you know, shout out to Keith, um, who, who has the visual side covered, you know, Stephanie, who is, is on our team and works, works as a project manager, managing deals used to be a lighting tech for, uh, the movie production scene. And then we have Aubrey who is, is actually going to college for audio while she works for us. So it just kind of all works out perfect that we have this team who can help us, you know, put this podcast together. So I'm excited. I'm excited for what's to come and to see where it goes. Yeah. So we'll see you all next time. Uh, We're excited to share what we have. Like Jason said, like, and subscribe, Uh, share this with a business owner or manager that you know that might need to hear it. Um, And we're excited to be on the journey with you guys. Likewise. Thank you, everyone. Thanks y'all.